creating cultural awareness and understanding. This is Culture Click. Culture Click is written and produced by KQALFM on the campus of Winona State University. Today on Culture Click, we look to the skies. KQAL's Bill Stoneberg sat down with Winona State Geoscience Professor Jennifer Anderson to talk all things astronomy. From meteor showers to constellations, we'll learn about what's been going on in Winona's night sky and how you can observe them. Now, here's KQAL's Bill Stoneberg with Jennifer Anderson on Culture Click. Hello, Jennifer. How are you doing? I'm doing really well. How are you doing? Ah, as good as can be, you know. Yeah. Uh, staying that's... at home and but uh there are you know, everyone's staying in place and um uh we're on we're not going anywhere. A lot of people are working from home and people may be feeling cooped up. So Jennifer, I thought it was a really good idea to talk to you to get an idea of what, you know, we might be able to go out and uh check out some astronomy at night and uh, you know, get outdoors and get some fresh air and see some really cool stuff in the sky. Yeah, yeah. It's always a good time. Anytime's a good time to get outside and look at the stars. It'll just yeah, help you. For sure. Just very good for us at all times. Is there anything going on? I see like I've looked up a little some um events calendars of, you know, things happening in the night sky. And it looks like now I'm probably gonna butcher the pronunciation of some of these things, but mm -hmm. uh the Lyrids meteor shower? Is that happening? Is yes, that the Lyrids. I Lyrids. Maybe how they say that. See, I told you. <laughs> um, the Lyrids are going to peak. They actually started last week, and they're going to peak on April 22nd, which is pretty exciting. This is a typically a pretty decent um, meteor shower in uh, mid-spring, and we get we expect to see about 15 to 20 meteors per hour, and they should be fairly nice-looking things, but I just want to say, right, that's 15 to 20 per hour. It's not 15 to 20 per minute, so you're looking at seeing 15 to, you know, every two or three minutes you're going to see a meteor, hopefully. Maybe it'll be more than that at the peak, which uh, was last night, April 22nd. Um, maybe there'll be a few more, but now we're on the tail end of it. But it's still here, so I highly recommend that people go out and check out the Lyrids. What you need to do is the best time to see any meteor shower is actually after midnight and before dawn. So usually we recommend about 2 or 3 in the morning. Um, but, you know, it's a great time to be outside. The night is, is uh, going to be really crystal clear, hopefully. And um, what you want to do is you want to go out and you want to look toward the east. About 50 or 55 degrees above the horizon is the constellation Lyra, which has a very bright white star called Vega in it. Um, and so you want to go out, face east, and just kind of get yourself comfortable. Sit in a chair, wrap a blanket around you, have a nice cup of tea or maybe a really early morning coffee, um, and uh, just kind of lay out and look. You don't need any special equipment and you really want your eyes to be able to see as much of the sky as possible. So that way you'll have uh, the biggest chance of catching these meteorites or these, uh, excuse me, meteors. Now what you'll see is, is it, they're called the Lyrids because if you track where the, where the meteors are coming from, they seem to come from that, that area of the sky where the constellation Lyra is. Um, but they won't necessarily start there. So when I was a kid, I used to always, even and even now, if I'm going to go out to see a meteor shower, I'll try and I'll like put a blanket down and lay on a picnic table or on a, um, and just kind of be facing generally the right 
direction, but you could see them in many different directions. So, um, and it should be pretty good. So hopefully you can get a couple bursts of that and it's always fun to see. Oh, for sure. I love meteor showers too. Now, is it like, are they bright enough that you might be able to see from your house in, in town or do you need to kind of go out in the country or <sighs> up on the bluff? Or? Um, I'm trying to think of the east. Uh, so if you're looking east from town, it sort of depends on where you are. Um, you, of course, uh, if you're over by any of the big box stores, Target or Walmart, you're not going to be able to see too much if you're on the other side. Um, but it is pretty high up, about 50 degrees or so above the horizon, so halfway to the point directly above your head. And so depending on where they're going, you probably could see them. Um, light pollution is always an issue, but Winona is sort of spotty for light pollution. So Winona State University campus is always very well lit. Um, if you're near a car dealership or or um, high V or something like that, you I mean you can see where there are a lot of lights. But you don't need to get too terribly far out of Winona, and you can even just get to some darker parts of Winona, away you know more of the residential areas of Winona, in order to see some good night sky. Uh, objects. Now, if you do want to get outside of town a little bit, um, Garvin Heights, you can head up there. I usually just head up onto the, you know, onto the farmland on top of the bluffs um, and just sort of hang out in one of those locations. Any of the smaller towns around here, any of the suburb areas of Winona, um, you'll have plenty dark skies that you can see this. The darker the sky you have, the more meteors you're going to be able to see, of course. So that is something to take into account. So so what else might we uh, be able to see in the night sky, like recent or soon or in the coming weeks here? Well, so I looked it up and uh, April 22nd is Earth Day, so that's kind of nice, but it's also a new moon, which means tonight, April 23rd, it's going to be tough, but you might be able to see the first sliver of the crescent moon reappearing in the west right after sunset or right at sunset most likely you'll have to wait till the 24th or the 25th and then you'll really see uh the moon showing up and that's one of my favorite things to look at in the night sky anywhere with or without a telescope or binoculars you don't need anything special the moon is just gorgeous and so you know what you'll start seeing is about on the 24th you'll see the moon a very thin crescent um you know maybe two hand widths if you hold your hand up at arm's length and stretch your fingers out the distance from your thumb to the pinky your pinky finger that's about how far the moon travels um in a day as it goes around the earth and so you kind of do two hands away from the sun and that's about where the moon will be on the 24th um and then every day it'll be one more hand width over to the um east and so every day it gets a little bit bigger a little bit nicer i find it real i like going out and looking at the moon and trying to find it even during the daylight hours by the 30th, it'll be a first quarter, so it'll be, um, it'll look like a half circle. Um, and, you know, really, the, if you want to use something to look at the moon, there's nothing better than a decent pair of binoculars. Any, almost any pair of binoculars that you pay, you know, 30 bucks or more for, probably even the cheaper binoculars we have these days, is better than what Galileo had with his first telescope. And, and um, looking at the moon between, uh, new moon and around first quarter and then a little bit as you get toward full moon 
um, that's the best time because the shadows right along what we call the terminator, which is the line between the dark and the lit portion of the moon, the shadows are really long. So every day it's going to look a little bit differently because it's going to be illuminating a little bit more of the moon every day. And you'll get to see the craters and um, the mountains on the moon and the mare, the flat black areas, if you just have a decent set of good binoculars. Um, and a lot of us are birders and hunters and things, so we happen to have binoculars kind of hanging around. But it's my favorite time to look um, at the moon is as it's as it's reappearing in the western sky after sunset as that crescent and then kind of swelling up um, and heading toward full moon. I will say you shouldn't look at a at a full moon or near full with binoculars because that's a lot of light that you're putting into your eyes at that point. So be careful there. Um, but the best views, uh, sometimes strangely enough, it seems, happen when the moon is not very full because that's when the shadows are the longest on its surface oh so you can see the uh like the features better then yeah you can see the features a lot better the full moon basically it's like shining a flashlight straight onto your face you don't see like the rise and fall of your eyebrows or your nose or something like that but if you're shining the light from the side you get a lot of detail okay wow that's mm -hmm. that's really interesting i never thought about like like the shadows you know and being able to see the features because of that yeah, every day the moon, if you're looking closely every day, you're going to see new things because every day that line, that terminator between the dark and the light moves a little bit further um, to the left as we look at the moon from the northern hemisphere. It moves a little bit further to the left and um, and you get to see a new set of craters and a new set of mountains and things like that. So um, it's a fun time. To, and it's easy because it's right, you know, it's after sunset, so it's not that late at night. And Right. And that seems, it seems, now, I don't know a lot about astronomy, but it seems to me that there's a lot of things you can view um, at twilight or just after dark or just before, like above the horizons. Is there anything like that going on or anything we can well, see there? Well, the or? next thing I wanted to talk about was Venus, actually, and I'm pretty sure many of you have noticed Venus in the uh, western sky or southwestern sky after sunset. Um, it's almost directly west. Um, and it's up pretty high, actually, in the sky right now. It's about maybe 45 degrees halfway between the horizon and uh, the point directly above your head. It is super bright. So if you've been out at night in the last month and you've been looking out at, at sunset and you see a really bright star, quote unquote, um, in the western sky, that is Venus. And um, it turns out that what Venus is doing right now, if we kind of hover out over the solar system and we look down on the sun, Venus is sort of lapping us on the inside track. So Venus orbits the sun closer th um, than the Earth. And um, it's coming up behind us on our left, and it's going to pass us in the next few months. And what that means is that Venus happens to be really, really bright because it's only about um, like maybe 40 million miles from the Earth right now, which sounds like a lot if you're going for a car ride, um, and is not a lot at all in the in the grand scheme of the solar system. And Venus is also um, has a very thick cloud layer, so it reflects a lot of sunlight. So um, it's actually going to be the brightest that it will be all year on April 27th at sunset. So that's just in a few days. Um, and it's kind of fun to think that we're about to get lapped by our sister planet, which is just a little bit closer. So go out and check that out. It's um, right also entering into, um, I don't know, it's somewhere, but it's, there's a lot of bright stars that are out um, 
right after sunset right now. So Venus, you'll notice, is, is sort of um, above Taurus the bull, if you know how to find that constellation. It's it's over near, it's, it's heading toward uh, Betelgeuse, which is the red giant star in Orion. So Orion shows up really quick after sunset right now. If you keep going over just to the south, you're going to see Sirius. Sirius is the dog star. It's the brightest star in the northern hemisphere all year round. And um, it is about, I don't know, 25, 30 degrees above the horizon, sort of in the south, southeast. And it'll be the second brightest thing after Venus that's in the night sky. And so you have a bunch of these really bright winter stars. Some of my favorite constellations, Gemini with Castor and Pollux, um, are up high. And Sirius, the dog star, Orion, the hunter, which many people know, the red eye of Taurus, the bull. And then Venus has actually busted into that group of stars right now. So it's it it's a really beautiful sight, I think. Nice, nice. Now, I'm going to go out on a limb here. I'm going to make a guess. Um, correct me if I'm wrong. Is that what people consider like the morning star? An evening star? Yeah. Is that Venus? So Venus, no, so the, the, yeah, Venus is usually both the morning star and the evening star. Um, so you would probably call it, it you'd call it the evening star now. It's usually the first thing you're going to see um, after sunset. In fact, if you've got really good eyes, you can even start seeing it right before the sun sets. Um, in Winona, for example, if the sun is behind the bluffs, but the sun hasn't properly set below the horizon horizon yet, a lot of people are going to be able to pick out Venus as a real faint dot um, if you know where to look. Um, and uh, But yeah, because it is so bright, uh, let's see, the brightest things in the sky go uh, for first the sun, of course. Um, the moon in general is always brighter than, uh, if, if you can see it at night or during the day, it's always brighter than um, any of the planets. And then I believe it's kind of a fight between Venus and Jupiter, depending on how we are arranged. You know, are we closest to Venus? Are we closest to Jupiter? It might, they, they might fight a little bit, but I think that normally Venus is the brightest thing in the sky. And it's always going to be near the sun because it orbits between the earth and the sun so from earth we always see it sort of close to the sun um, and uh, so jupiter if you see something bright and it's two in the morning you probably are looking at jupiter or maybe maybe saturn probably not um, but if it's if you're looking over in the west at sunset or the east at sunrise and you're seeing a real bright star quote unquote you're actually looking at the planet venus and if you take a pair of binoculars and you look at that you'll be able to see that it's actually a disk. Or um, I think actually Venus right now, because of where it is for us, actually appears as sort of almost a half Venus. Venus has phases just like the moon does because it can pass between us and the sun um, since it's an interior planet. And so I believe it it has a phase right now of a, it would look like a first quarter or a third quarter moon. Um, so check it out with binoculars and you'll go, oh yeah, that's not a star. That's Venus. Oh, that's awesome. Is there, I so know. can you see, so you can see uh, features pretty well through the binoculars or at least see oh, that it's yeah. not just a dot? Yeah, oh, you cool. would definitely see that it, it, I haven't looked at it with um, binoculars yet, but now I'm going to have to get my binoculars out and go and see. Um, basically, if you consider that any decent pair of binoculars um, is better than the telescope that Galileo was using, then anything that Galileo saw like the great red spot on Jupiter, the rings of Saturn, Jupiter's four largest moons, um, craters on the moon, the phases of Venus, 
all of those things are things you can also see through a, a pair of binoculars. And I often will recommend people, you know, if you'd like to buy a telescope, that's great. I love telescopes, but I, uh, you got to stay away from the real cheap ones because uh, they're just not going to work as much and they frustrate people more than they help those people enjoy um, a new hobby. And so instead of getting, you know, if you don't have $500, to spend on a telescope, take a hundred bucks and go to Fleet Farm and buy a decent pair of binoculars and you're going to have something amazing. It's also easier to, to use binoculars because you're using them with both eyes and you're using your hands to tilt them up. So you can just kind of, you know, star watch like we bird watch, just point over to something and go, well, what's that? Um, I like how you put it in perspective with the um, Galileo, you know, that isn't never it, occurred to me that binoculars I have were pr are probably better than what he had. That's Isn't that amazing to yeah. think about? I can't, I'm blown away by what he was able to do with really like early, early age um, uh, optics and things. I mean, people had glasses back then, but they didn't understand why they worked. They just knew that they did. So you couldn't really easily predict at least that's my understanding. You couldn't really easily predict what you needed to do. They were kind of making it up as they want, they go. And um, I think it was, oh, I think it was Johann Kepler and then Isaac Newton, of course, who helped finally figure out all the optics and how you could actually build better telescopes and things like that. And really, um, so, you know, they were, it was at the very beginning of all of that. And so, yeah, his telescope was not that great as it turns out. And we often, we have those things. Um, you know, another thing he didn't have that can be very useful is a, is a night sky app. And you can download those for free onto your phone. I was going to ask you a about A lot those. of them, you can just hold it up and your phone, it's using the GPS inside of your phone. Um, and it will tell you, this is what you're looking at. Um, and that is, I mean, I had to learn night sky when I was a kid using maps and just hanging out out there with paper maps and red flashlights <laughs> and all that kind of stuff. And they've even got a red feature on most of these um, apps now where you make it red and that's to help preserve your night vision when you're outside. So if you're, you can look at red light and it doesn't, um, doesn't destroy your light, night, your night vision as much. Okay. So like if you're looking, so if I'm using a flashlight, my eyes adjust to that and then I look into the sky and yep, I'm you not got seeing it. as much. Okay. So you use a red light. Yep. To look at things. Okay. And you can paint your flashlight with nail polish or use red tape over the top oh, of it or color it with a marker. There you go. Or you go. could buy like a red light for your flashlight or whatever. Okay. So yeah. You know, nice. when you, if a car is going to drive by, close your eyes. Uh-huh. Okay. So these are all things that are happening at night so far. Um, but you might ask, well, where are all the other planets? Where is Mars, Jupiter, and Saturn? Mm -hmm. And um, you really, this is, it's been a, an amazing time for the last month or so, um, Mars, Jupiter, and Saturn are all up in the early morning. So if you head out by 4 a.m. or so, um, and a little bit later, so now, you know, and you might still see some uh, some meteors if you go out even tonight at 4 a.m. Um, but if you look just a little bit south of east, so east, southeast, I guess would be the right number. Okay. Um, Mars, Saturn, and Jupiter are all lined up. They're within 20 degrees of each other. So again, if you do that hand trick where you hold your arm out and uh, spread your fingers out from the tip of your pinky finger to your thumb is about 10 or 15 degrees. Um, and so they're, they're going to all line up on your hand, basically. And so you just go out before sunrise. And sunrise these days, I think, is about 6 in the morning. 
and you look to the southeast and there's going to be three bright stars, quote-unquote, all pretty close to the horizon, so maybe 30 degrees or less of the way from the horizon up to the top. Um, and in order from left is Mars and then Saturn and then Jupiter, and all three of them just happen to be on that side of the sun from us right now. And so they're lined up and they're beautiful. Take a set of binoculars. You're going to be able to see that Mars is a reddish, yellowish disk. You're going to easily see the rings of Saturn, and you might even be able to pick out um, the um, some of the cloud bands on Jupiter and the red spot. Oh, got wow. some really nice. But yeah, it's worth it. I usually, you know, I'm a mother of two small boys. I'm older than I was when I was really into being outside in the cold at night. Mm -hmm. But I would get up at five in the morning to see this. Um, so that's where they all are. They're all over in the early morning sun. Cool. Excuse me, early morning sky. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's really fascinating to me that you can see such features like the rings and the great red yeah. spot and stuff like that. That is really cool. I'm I'm gonna have to do this. <laughs> well, I hope I'm not. I hope I'm not making it up. Use some decent binoculars, but mm -hmm. even with simple binoculars, like maybe not the kind that my two preschool kids have. Right. Um, but with a de you know, like a decent pair of regular binoculars, you should easily be able to see that Saturn is not a circle, but there it, it's got bulges on either side of it. Oh, cool. You'll get that kind of reddish orange color for Mars. Mm -hmm. Um. And if you've and you know when you look at Jupiter, the clouds might be something that you can start to see that there are kind of parallel bands of color on its surface. Mm -hmm. But look off to the left and right of Jupiter because the Galilean satellites are four of Jupiter's largest moons, or the the four largest moons of Jupiter. Uh huh. And um, they appear as points of light to either side of Jupiter, all in a plane. So they you connect those dots together and they run a line right through the middle of Jupiter. Oh. And every day they are in different locations as they orbit around Jupiter. Oh, wow. So you can watch the moons go around Jupiter. You can watch Jupiter's moons go around it. And oh, it, you awesome. Know, there's, yeah, perfect. Oh, that is so cool. I love it. I'm telling you, the night sky is where it's at. Awesome. I love it. I absolutely love it. The other thing that's just fun that I wanted to mention, there's a website you can go to called spotthestation.nasa.gov. And spot the station is all one word. Um, and that's a, an online website. You can also get download free apps that'll do this. And what they mean by spot the station is you tell them you're in Winona, Minnesota, and they will tell you when you can go outside and see the International Space Station fly overhead. So the International Space Station, if you look at it, um, it's got two giant uh, groups of solar panels on either side and the whole thing from one edge of one solar panel to the other is about the size of a football field as that as it's orbiting around the earth every 92 minutes or whatever it is um, there's a beam of light that's coming from the sun that happens to hit those solar panels at exactly the right angle such that there is a reflection onto the earth below and you can use these sites and you can use the app on your phone to actually send you alerts when this is going to happen in the couple of hours after sunset and a couple of hours before sunrise it is possible to see the international space station but you have to be right in that you know if you imagine taking like a mirror and shining a beam of sunlight down onto the surface it's only a real thin band where you have to be um, to see it but um and I checked, there aren't any viewings um, up through something like April 24th, but I know that we're due for some more. So I just wanted to mention that um, every couple weeks it's visible um, in the few hours past sunset or the few hours before sunrise. And you can always go out and wave at the humans that are 
orbiting the Earth. That is awesome. I love it. So so keep an eye on that website, huh? And it'll let yeah, you know stop when. Yeah, stopthestation.nasa.gov, or if you just do, go on your apps for your device and say, you know, find International Space Station mm-hmm. or ISS, there's always, there's free apps that'll do that for you. And I know uh, we had spoke uh, before, and you had mentioned the website astronomy.com. Is that a good resource for folks as well? Yeah, Astronomy Magazine is still probably the most accessible astronomy magazine um, in the United States. They're fantastic. They have a website called astronomy.com. Um, and so I still get their monthly magazine. I've gotten it since I was a kid and it has a lot of information about, you know, helping you see what's up in the night sky. What does the moon look like? When should you look for this and that? Um, but then it's also got really interesting articles about astronomy and the solar system. Let's see. Um, let's see Apollo 13 on April 13th, 50 years ago. So this would have been last week or so. Um, that was when Apollo 13 had did the whole uh, Houston, we have a problem and one of their oxygen tanks blew up. And so April, April's um, uh, magazine for astronomy is all about Apollo 13. They're celebrating the 50th anniversary of all of the Apollo missions. So the 50th anniversary of Apollo 11 was last summer. And then we had Apollo 12 last fall and now um, Apollo 13 this month. So that's a great site. And they also have some stuff online, um, some star maps and lots of interesting articles. Um, so that's a good place to go to. Awesome. Awesome. Well, tons of great things to look out for in the night sky. And also we can learn about history of our space program. That's fantastic. I love it. I love it. Well, um, I've been here with Jennifer Anderson. Uh, like I said, she's a professor of geoscience here at Winona State University. And we're talking about astronomy um, because it's a fantastic thing you can do. Get outside, you know, out of the house, um, get some fresh air at night and uh, see some really cool things in the night sky. Yeah. So, Jennifer, thanks so much for joining us today. We're going to have to do this more often. I would love to. Cool. I would love to. Because there's always great stuff when you're looking up. So. Thanks again to Professor Jennifer Anderson for joining us on this episode of Culture Click. To stream this episode or any other episode of Culture Click, visit kqal.org and select the Media tab. I'm Willard Hike. Thanks for listening. Creating cultural awareness and understanding. You've been listening to Culture Click. Support for Culture Click is made possible by the Minnesota Arts and Cultural Heritage Fund. Culture Click is produced by KQAL-FM on the campus of Winona State University. For more information, look us up on the web at kqal.org. And thanks for listening to Culture Click. Are you interested in all things Winona and the surrounding area? Find podcasts of Culture Click and all your favorite KQAL shows at kqal.org. Culture Click is made possible by a grant from the Minnesota Arts and Cultural Heritage Fund.